So it's already November 15th. Seems like the year has flown by, right? Hasn't this been the quickest year ever? You know, in some ways it has, in some ways it hasn't. But it is already November 15th. That means Thanksgiving is literally right around the corner. You know what that also means, right? Christmas is only 40 days away. I know so many of you are ready to move on to Christmas. Uh, You never can wait for all the Christmas music and all the Christmas decorations. Has anyone already started listening to Christmas music in their vehicles yet? You can go ahead and admit it. I see a couple of you. Uh, You get a pass in 2020. The people who would normally complain uh, just need to leave you alone in this year because it's been a difficult year, so you have the right to go ahead and listen to Christmas music. Maybe some of you will be on your way speedily home after worship this morning uh, to go decorate the front yard, go decorate the house. Maybe some of you are already planning on doing that. I know that some of you already have because there's nothing that says have a holly jolly, have a holly jolly Christmas more than over-the-top decorations and an obscene display of lights. Can I get an amen on that one? Um, nothing that makes the power company happier either. More to the point, though, have you got all of those important Christmas presents bought yet? If it's only 40 days to Christmas, you know how many days that leaves for you to shop. Some of you have already done it. Some of you have done it months ago. Some of you are that forward thinking. But some of you are like a lot of other people and you absolutely loathe going to the store during this time of year and buying Christmas presents. You would rather wait because you know it's gonna be uh, a struggle whatever you go. So you'd rather wait until 3 p.m. on Christmas Eve when you make that mad dash to Walmart to get everything left on your list. But some of you have that spiritual gift and speak the love language of gift giving and it's very important to you to go and get the perfect thing my wife is one of those she's been talking a lot about things she can make and special things she can buy even for stocking stuffers for members of our extended family you just have that in you some of you do where you want to go get the perfect thing for the perfect person all of us know what it's like to receive a very well thought out planned and very meaningful gift from someone that cares about us and that we care about. There are a few things more humbling, few things more show-stopping, word-stealing from your own mouth that when someone humbles you by giving you something that you were surprised by that you didn't see coming and was the exact thing that you always wanted, you just didn't know it. And when we have perfect gift givers in the church and in the world, they are capable of doing just that. And it really does. Uh, Forget the materialistic side. That could be bad enough. But it really does, for some people, serve as a spiritual gift. That ability for God to speak through them love to other people through the giving of something where it becomes more than material, but the meaning behind it. We all know what it's like to receive a very well-thought-out gift. And we especially think about it during times like these. One gift I received this year, much earlier this year, that has been very meaningful to me, uh, and I put it where I could see it every day, uh, is a note that uh, my boys made me. This was back in January. Uh, Those of you who know the story know I was in the hospital for a few days, and when I got out, um, they were home. They had the entire house decorated. That's also another tribute to my wife. Uh, And they had this. Corbin, I think, did most of the drawing. It says, Welcome Home, Daddy. Uh, And there is a uh, Longhorn, forgive him. uh, By the way, he's not a Longhorn fan. He just knows that his dad is. He's a Baylor Bear fan. Um, So don't hold it against him. Uh, And it kind of looks like Mickey Mouse, but I thought it was pretty cool anyway. So um, this is something that I, on my Chester drawers at home, uh, have 
put up and, and seen daily, uh, obviously not because of the material value of it, uh, but because of the gift that it represents and who they are to me and the way that they care for me and love me. This morning, we're going to talk about the best gift giver of all time as we continue our series that we're calling Still Grateful, looking at how even in the midst of a tough year, we can continue to be grateful for the good things that God has given us and the good things that God has done for us. We started our series last week by looking at the obscure prophet Habakkuk in Habakkuk chapter 3, where Habakkuk, reviewing a desperate situation, says that even when everything around him is chaos and bad news, he will still choose to praise the God of his salvation. And so we recognize that even in our own chaotic world right now, we can still choose to praise the God of our salvation. That no matter what's going on around us, it does not change the character of our God, nor does not change who God is for us and to us. This morning, we're going to move on to counting our own blessings. One of the best things I believe we can do in this tough year is to think through all of the good things that have happened in spite of the negative news and hardship around us. One opportunity we have in 2020 that we haven't had in quite some time is to exercise a muscle that is often left to atrophy in our comfortable Western world, and that is the muscle of gratitude. Sure, we've had more than our fair share of hardships. We've had difficult moments, but we've also been gifted by God in many ways. We've been the recipient of many good gifts from a good gift giver, some of which we've celebrated and some that we've taken for granted. And so as we consider all of the good things that God has given us, we're going to turn to the epistle of James this morning. James chapter 1, verses 16 through 18, if you brought your Bibles with you. If not, the scripture will be on the screen behind me here in just a moment. And we're going to hear what James shares about the wonderful gift giver that is our God and what he has done for us. Now, real quickly, before we dive into the passage... Many of you know that James, uh, scholars believe that the particular James that wrote the epistle bearing his name is James, the brother of Jesus, or I guess more appropriately, the half-brother of Jesus. Uh, only Jesus had God as father uh, in, the, in the literal sense. So James, the half-brother of Jesus, is also, at the time that he's writing this letter, most likely the leader of the Christian church in Jerusalem, uh, mostly comprised, obviously being in Jerusalem, of Jewish Christians. Uh, Jews who had made the decision to follow Christ, not necessarily Gentiles. And so you can kind of see that theme throughout the letter, and, and that helps understand a little bit of the things that he says uh, when he talks about the law and it talks about different things that he's writing, particularly to a Jewish Christian audience in Jerusalem and all throughout Palestine, as he mentions those who are spread abroad. This is a couple of decades probably after Jesus' death and resurrection. So the church has had uh, you know, 20 or so years to grow, uh, hopefully begin to flourish in a way. Uh, and they're beginning to uh, get bigger. So, so James writes this epistle that perhaps has passed around uh, the different house churches that are meeting throughout Jerusalem and read aloud, just like Paul's letters would have been to the greater uh, uh, area in, in, in Asia Minor and the Greek world at the time. Um, but he's writing to all of these people for a particular situation. Because more, much more so than ourselves, than America in 2020, the Jewish Christians, or Christian Jews, however you want to say that, to whom James was writing, had a lot of things to stress and worry about. They were constantly under the fear 
of persecution for their beliefs, both from the Jews that they lived around and the Romans that ruled over them. And so in that context, James encourages them, among other things, you know that he's famous for encouraging them to consider tribulation as joy, to look at the troubles around them through a different lens than what the world might tempt them to look through. Also, in the passage immediately preceding the one we are about to read, James talks with them uh, about resisting temptation and being mindful of the fact that in their moment of weakness and in their moment of chaos, and while they are under such tribulation, that temptation, that desire can tempt them to a path that would ultimately lead to destruction. And so he also has something to say in the passage we're about to read about a God who gives good and perfect gifts. So let's pray together one more time before we read what the Holy Spirit has to say to us today through James's testimony. And hopefully we hear the Spirit say to us this morning that God is good to his children and that will never change. Let's pray together. Father, you are good. You are a good father who cares for his children. The very children who are in this room this morning. So God, we pause to give you thanks today for all the good that you've done for us this year, for all the good that you're doing in our lives right now. God, for the, the air in our lungs, the blood pumping through our veins, the health that we have, the wealth that we have, the relationships that we have. God, we thank you for all of that and all of the things that we don't even notice that you're constantly doing around us. And God, we also thank you for the opportunity to continue together here as your community in person, face to face. And God, I pray that you would speak to us this morning through your word. God, I thank you that we are gathered together and get to hear your word together. God, may you remove distraction from our midst. God, may you remove chaos from our mind. And may you implant within us the exact truth that you have planned to do so long before today. And God, we ask that through your Holy Spirit, your truth, your word would do a work of transformation within us. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. God is good to his children, and that will never change. James chapter 1, verses 16 through 18. James continues with these words. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Now James starts with, do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. And that's pointing us back a few verses. In verses 13 through 15, James is really concerned about helping his reader resist and endure temptation. The kind of temptation that might come in a moment of weakness. And he is very careful to say, James is, that one key truth is that God does not tempt us. Instead, verse 14 tells us that it is desire, our own desire that within us that entices us towards sin. That that is not some push by God or some test by God. God does not test us by tempting us towards sin. God never tempts. Instead, that is our desire within us. Verse 15 tells us that when desire 
conceives and gives birth, that it gives birth to sin. And then sin, when it is allowed to be full grown, leads to death. And so what James is saying in that passage is, here is the worry, or here is the concern all of you ought to have about your own sinful desires. That if left unchecked, they just kind of move around in your heart and in your mind to the point that if you don't do something about them, if you don't give them to God, the likelihood of them conceiving and giving birth to sin, to actual action, not just being desire anymore, but to being something that you do against someone else and against God, that that uh, likelihood is very high if you allow that sort of sinful desire to continue to roost in your heart. And then if you still leave it unchecked after sin has been has been birthed if you still let it rule unchecked in your life and refuse to acknowledge the sin and do something about it then ultimately it's going to lead to destruction it's going to lead to death literally or figuratively and so our passage that we're reading now where james flips the script and starts talking about the good things that god has done he leads into it with do not be deceived my dear brothers in part to remind the christ follower that god does not tempt but instead, what God gives is not temptation, but good gifts, every good thing. Verses 15 and 18 utilize a very rarely used Greek word that connotes the idea of giving birth to something. In your translation, like mine, it might say that uh, this, uh, the desire in our heart brings forth or, or, or something to that rather than births. But the idea of birthing something is behind that. And it, and it is important because it, it, it shows us the kind of living nature of desire and the living nature of sin. But when we see it in verse 18, when James is reflecting over the goodness of God, he is showing us that God's goodness is also a living force. And that it gives birth to something as well. And we'll talk to, about that here in just a moment. Because a sin gives birth to death. God, through his word, which is the gospel, which is the truth of Jesus Christ, gives birth to us and gives birth to every good thing for us. James tells us that every good and perfect gift is from above. Every good thing is God's good thing. Everything on the planet that's good is God's good thing. Like objectively, without any hint of bad, good, that is from God. An empty, beautiful, starry sky. Perfect weather where it's 75 degrees outside. And you can just sit and you don't have to have a coat. Uh, you don't have to have a t-shirt on. Uh, you know, you don't have to have shorts on to make sure you're cool. You don't have to have pants on to make sure you're warm. It's just the perfect temperature. And that might not be 75 for you. That might be 85 for you. Whatever it is, that perfect temperature, that is a good thing from a good God. I know growing up in West Texas where it could often be dry and the farmers depended on the rain, that sometimes it was a good thing from a good God to sit out on a rainy day after weeks and weeks of no rain and just let the rain fall on you, something you wouldn't do in a normal situation. But in that situation, it is a good gift from a good God. All the good things you've experienced this year are good gifts from a good God. The family that you leaned on during the most difficult and intense part of this lockdown when you were worried the people that you turn to are good gifts from a good God. Even those seemingly unimportant hobbies or distractions that you took up during the most intense part of the lockdown to take your focus off of the hardship, those things are good gifts from a good God. I love logic puzzles. And you wouldn't think that logic puzzles would be a good gift from a good God. But guess what? When your mind needs a break, sometimes it is a good gift 
from a good God. The stimulus check, the government would love to take credit for it. But guess what? That's a good gift from a good God that has given hope to many people who needed such a stimulus. The community that we have in our, in our, in our church, the community that we have in our town, the community that you have in different places, your family, your work, uh, maybe online communities that you're involved in with people that are miles and miles away, those are good things from a good God, a good thing that we're much less likely to take for granted in 2020 than we were in years prior. A peace that surpasses understanding in a chaotic time is a good gift from a good God. And even the little things that we never would have thought about are good gifts from good God. Even the things that we need, the food and our refrigerators, the water running through our lines at home, the ice that we get to get out of the, the icebox, uh, the different things that we have readily available to us, cable television, internet, all of those things, even as basic as, as we found out in 2020, toilet paper is a good thing from a good God. Any good gift, every good gift comes from God and from him alone. God alone gets to take credit for all the good. If there is a ledger in heaven that says who is responsible for what is good, there's God on one side and everybody else on the other side, and God is the only one that has any marks. He alone is good. Even Jesus said to those who asked him, if called him a good teacher, there is no one good except God in heaven. And the way that James refers to this good God is the father of lights with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. In other words, if you need a reminder of God's goodness, just look up the sun, the moon. We've had over the last couple of weeks, especially right around Halloween, uh, the moon would rise at just like the perfect time of the evening. And it would be this beautiful harvest full moon. Uh, that is God is the father of that. The sun that gives us energy, the sun that provides uh, uh, the energy that plants need in order to provide the oxygen that we need, all of that comes from a good God. And of course, the stars, the most beautiful creation that I can think of when I look at the heavens, what is man that God is mindful of us? That's often my response. Those stars are a good gift from a good God. When you need a reminder, remember that he is the father of those lights, the sun, the moon, and the stars but being the father of those lights, he is also unlike the lights in the fact that he doesn't change. From our perspective, the stars move in the sky. Of course, we know that that is our perspective, the earth rotating, the earth changing in its relationship to the sun. But we know that those things are moving even where they are, that the universe is in constant motion, that God is the father of those lights, but he himself does not change. God has always been good. God is good today, and he will be good forever. None of that is ever going to change. The Greek, when talking about the, the variation or the shifting in shadow, is using astronomical ideas. Again, we notice the movement of the bodies in the universe, even in the changing of shadows. That if you go out early in the morning, your shadow might be long and stretching in one direction. And if you come out at high noon, you might not have any shadow at all. If you come out in the evening, the shadow will be long and stretching the other directions. God's goodness, though, is without change. Or as commentator R. Kent Hughes said it, God's goodness is always at high noon. It never changes. God is always good. Every good gift comes from him, and he will never change. 
And it is out of his own will, James tells us, his own choice that he, here's that word, brought us forth, that he birthed us into the world by the word of truth. In his goodness, God chose us. I love that reality throughout scripture. When we get to hear about God's choosing of us, that not only did God create us, actually bring us into being, but through his son Jesus, even though we had chosen to leave him, to depart from him, God had chosen us. And by the spirit of adoption, Paul tells us, we will cry out, Abba, Father, towards our Father in heaven. There are few things more beautiful of a metaphor of God's relationship with us through Jesus Christ than that of adoption. Because in adoption, what that means is I have no legal right to love you, but I choose to do so anyway. There is no one saying I must do this. I'm not going to get in trouble with the law if I don't take care of you because you are not, quote unquote, my child. You have walked away from the faith. You have made yourself an enemy. But instead, I'm going to choose to care for you as a parent. I'm going to choose to bring you forth, to birth you into a new life, something that is different than the life you left behind. He has birthed us in that way, both literally by creating us and spiritually through the gospel of Jesus, rendering us, as Paul would say, new creations in Christ Jesus. Because there is no more perfect gift than that of salvation. Let me say that again. There is no more perfect gift than that of salvation. Can I get an amen for the salvation of Jesus Christ? That hopefully all of us have experienced and are experiencing and will one day experience the glorification that comes from that salvation. If we ever doubt, and Jesus would echo these sentiments, or I'm echoing Jesus' sentiments in the Gospels, if we ever doubt, that God would care for us in the little things, let's remember what he did in the big things. That he gave his son for us. Why would he keep anything else good from us? And James rounds out the idea saying that we should be a kind of first fruits. See, the good that God is doing in and for us will one day be done, not only for all of humanity, but all of creation. Something that Paul talks about in Romans 8, how all of creation is awaiting that day for the renewal of the sons of man. When creation itself will be set free from its futility. God will come and redeem all things. And that means that even we, to a world of people needing this gospel, to a world of people needing all of the things for which we are thankful, that even we are one of the good gifts that God has given and God has placed in the world for his glory. God is good to his children and that will never change. Every good thing comes from God. Let us remember that as we finish a tough year. Every hug that we share with a loved one, every Thanksgiving meal we share over laughter and conversation, every present we have the opportunity to give and to receive. Every time we crawl into a warm bed and drift off to sleep. Every time we go to the store and fill our grocery carts with all the goods that we need with no thought about financial strain. Every time we hear someone quote a Christmas movie accompanied with a chuckle 
Every time we have a moment in the midst of all of the chaos to take a deep breath and relax, every act of kindness, every smile of warmth, every good gift comes from God, the Father of lights, who will never change. In a world of constantly evolving upheaval, may we take refuge in our unchangeable God and the good gifts that he gives and gives and gives. And so to help us focus on and embody this gratitude, I'm gonna suggest as we close and bring this all together, a few action steps for us all to take. Last week, I encouraged you to make a list of all the negative things that happened and to spend some time with God praising him in spite of those things, knowing that he's good even though those things are true. Today, we're going to move in a much happier direction, and I'm going to ask you to make a list of all the good things in your life. That would be the first action step. Make a list of all the good things in your life. Think through every aspect of your life. This is something that you would start during our time of invitation, but I would encourage you to do during some extended quiet time at some point this week. Think through every aspect of your life and make a list of all of the good things in your life. Blaise Pascal once said that instead of complaining that God has hidden himself, will you give him thanks for having revealed so much of himself? We constantly were, where is God? I, I wish that God would show up in 2020. But instead, I'm asking you to change your perspective a little bit and realize in a way that he might have seen hidden, he might have been revealing himself to you. During this most difficult time, God might have revealed himself to you in a new way. Make a list of all the good things in your life. And then after you've done that, pray a prayer of thanksgiving, naming those things, thanking God for those things by name, by the list. Go through it. Thank him for each one of those gifts. You might make a list that's five pages long. That's going to be a long prayer, but that's okay. Do it anyway. Give thanks to God for the good that he's done. And then, number three, share that list. Share it with your family and friends. Share it with those that you share Thanksgiving with. Share it publicly. If you're on social media, maybe share it there. Share a list of the ways that God has been good to you to remind yourself and others around you that God is good to his children and that will never change. So there's your action steps. Steps. Make a list of all the good things that God has done for you. Say a prayer of thanksgiving to the God who has given those things to you and then share that list with others. And so now as we enter into a time of invitation and response, I want you to meditate on that truth. If there's anyone here who doesn't know Jesus as Savior, I want to tell you about the greatest gift that's ever been given. God gave himself through his son Jesus to you so that you can be free from the, the bondage of sin and death today and so that you can live with him and all of the saints in glory forever and ever in heaven. If you want to know more about this kind of saving faith in Jesus Christ, I would love to tell you about him while I'm down here and we're singing together in our song of invitation and response. I'll also hang around after the service if you would like to talk, about, uh, talk then uh, with a little more privacy. But for those of you who do have a saving relationship with Jesus, 
I want you to use this last song and this time that we have together as an opportunity to begin giving thanks to God. Begin mentally right here, right now to build a list of the ways that God has been good to you this year, despite all of the bad news. And if the Holy Spirit moves you to do so, you may come down here to the front, praise God in that special posture by kneeling at the steps. Of course, you can always pray right where you are and do the same thing. I'm going to be standing down here if you need to pray about this or anything else, whatever issue that might come up. But whatever you do, use this time between you and God to think of all of the ways that he loves you and has provided for you and is providing for you, no matter what else is going on around us. And then as we sing, may we respond to what he has done with a thanksgiving of praise. So let's pray together one more time. Let's stand. I'm going to pray. Bill and Lynn are going to lead us in that song of invitation and response. You move in whatever way God is calling. Father, you are good. That hasn't changed in the last 25, 30 minutes. It's not going to change any time in the future. God, we thank you for your unchangeableness. God, we thank you that no matter what's going on around us, that you are good, and you are good to us, despite the fact that we do not deserve it. God, thank you for making us your children. Twice. By creating us and then saving us. God, you get all the glory. Every good and perfect gift comes from you. And you never change. God, may you receive this gift of thanksgiving that we have for you today. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.